Well, welcome to worship. I want to continue to extend the, worship, the welcome that's been given to, to all of you this evening. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Hope. Uh, and as Ben said in the announcements, we couldn't be more excited that it's the season of Advent, uh, which in, in its definition means it's a, a season that you've heard already. It's a season of waiting that you saw there in that commercial, a commercial that surfaced first in the 1970s, it resurfaced in the 80s, and then again in the 90s, one of Matthew LeBlanc, a uh, Star from the TV show Friends, one of his first TV appearances uh, as an adult was on a Heinz 57 ketchup commercial. You can Google it. I'm not making it up. But what Heinz is doing is they're, <laughs> they're telling people that what they have is worth waiting for. They're saying that what their product is and what it has is it's, it's thick and it's rich and, and it takes a long time to get out of the bottle. Some of you are old enough, some of you are older than me, no offense, but you're older than me. You remember what life was like before ketchup was in plastic bottles. You remember this? Your kids don't remember this. And so you remember what it was like to get this bottle of ketchup and you'd find yourself in a restaurant and you wouldn't know how on earth you're going to get the stuff out of the bottle. Because it would never come out. And especially if it was a brand new bottle and you'd think to yourself, I'm going to only be here for a half hour and I'm going to spend 20 minutes trying to get the ketchup out of the bottle. And there were a lot of theories, and you don't have to raise your hands, but somebody around you might raise your hand on how the best way to get the ketchup out of the bottle actually took place. Like how many of you were, take the bottle, the cap off the bottle, and just shake the daylights out of it? That was me. My brother and my sister were the more refined of the Johnson kids, but I took it off and I just gave it heck as long as I could to try to get ketchup. How many of you were the cultured, you, you would try to turn the bottle? Thinking that if you turned it, the ketchup would turn over and you'd develop an air pocket which would allow the ketchup to slide out of the bottle. Or maybe you're somebody that just gently tapped it on the end. Or maybe you're somebody that just beat it on the end. Or maybe you were one of those conspiracy theorists that said that the reason that Heinz put the 57 on the bottle was you needed to precisely hit it right where the 57 existed. And if you did that, your ketchup would magically fall out. But all of us know that really what ended up happening is we took our finger or a utensil, jammed it in the bottle, got ourselves all messy in hopes that we would get what we were waiting for. And the tagline they used is, the best things come to those who wait. Then why is it so hard? I mean, if what it has and what it offers is so good, then, then why can't we get it now? What is it about life? No, I'm not talking about ketchup. That makes waiting so incredibly challenging. It is for me. By nature, I would love to tell you that I'm as cool as a cucumber, but I'm not. By nature, when I know what I want, I want it now. Which for me, especially as a kid, made the season of Advent so incredibly hard. We're in the first week of Advent, the word Advent it means a time of, of waiting, of preparation. But in the, in the Latin, the word advent literally means 
coming. That we wait for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. That's what we celebrate on Christmas Eve. But not just for Jesus that would come into the world over 2,000 years ago, but that Jesus that will come again. That will enter into our world and will put everything back the way that it was supposed to be. That what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer that we're going to pray at the end of the service today Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that that would happen right here, right now, that when Jesus comes again, when the waiting is over, everything will be restored. In the season of Advent, the four weeks preceding Christmas are a time for us to prepare, to wait. So each week as we go through Advent, we light another candle on the wreath. There are four candles. Each represents one of the weeks in the Advent season. And then on Christmas Eve, we light the center candle, which is the Christ candle. And I remember as a kid, every single week when I'd get to church, I would get there and I would know that another candle would be lit, but it almost felt like things were going in reverse. And I tried to do Jedi mind tricks in my mind. And if I would stare at the candles long enough and intently enough that somehow magically another candle would ignite into flame and the time would go faster. But it wouldn't because I'm horrible with waiting. Especially with the good stuff. You can ask my wife Bridget. I've already shared with her what I'm getting her for Christmas. I can't keep a secret. I can't do it. When we found out that we were pregnant with, she was pregnant, I wasn't, but when she was pregnant with our first child, we had to wait for that magical week where we could tell everybody. And I'm like thinking to myself, how am I, I going to make it eight weeks? And she said, you don't have to make it eight weeks. You have to make it 12. And I thought, I can't do it. It's impossible. When I know something that's so good, it's hard for me to keep it to myself. We have a group of friends that are all uh, getting together for a uh, kind of like a a friend's family Christmas at the end of this week. And one of the husbands in the group decided that we wouldn't tell our spouses and we would surprise them with a trip to a restaurant and we were all going to organize. And they said, you can't tell your wife. And I thought, I I, I said, Bridget, I'm not supposed to tell you this. So you can't tell anybody else. But I told her the first night. I couldn't keep it to myself. I'm miserable with it which is where my kids get it. It was just a little over a week ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving. And the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, Bridget and myself and our two kids, we were going to take the trip from our house in West Des Moines to her parents' house in Roseau, Minnesota, which is exactly 608 miles doorstep to doorstep. Now, when we go up to Roseau, we always make the trip in one shot. We make it in one day. We were going to let the kids go through half of a day of school, so we are going to take them out of school at about 11.30. We were going to get in the car, and then we were just going, to, just going to go, and we were going to only stop when we had to stop. Now, when they were little, it was really easy because we could put diapers on them, and we didn't have to stop at all. And also, when they were little, they didn't recognize what was in front of them. It's like, hey, we're going to grandma and grandpa's house. And they thought, great. And then while they were in the car, it was just us. And they were strapped in and everything was beautiful. But this time it was different. And so as we prepared to take the trip from West Des Moines to Roseau, we got everything organized to entertain them for 10 and a half hours. 
in a car and a dog. And so we had activity books and coloring pages. We had books for them to read. We had books to listen to on CD. We had movies, which we hold out as long as we can to allow them to watch their movies because once they get sucked in, they never get sucked back out of that. And so we get into the car and they start to get into their books and both of them are in the very back of our minivan and they're back there and they're quiet and it's wonderful. And we made it 24 miles. We made it 24 miles. We were in Ankeny. And my daughter was reading a book and she looked up and she saw that there are buildings around her and she said, Mommy, are we in Roseau? And she said, No, we're in Ankeny. And then the next thing she said is, How long? And every 20 miles. From that point on, the question came, are we there yet? How long is this going to take? And the first 20 miles were brutal, and the next 200 were even harder. Because we left here, and we wanted to get to there. And somewhere around here, you find yourself in the place of no return, right? You're halfway in, and you're halfway in, and you realize that if we were to turn around and realize that this was a very bad idea, it's going to take us just as long to get home as it would to get us to our destination. So we could continue to go on, but all you want to do is get out of the car and crawl into a fetal position and just give up. But you know that you can't. But it's how we feel in life sometimes, isn't it? See, the difficulty sometimes isn't in the leaving of what we know or the last bit till we get there. It's the space that falls between. The space we find ourselves where we're waiting and we're wondering how long it's going to be. And we can't even remember what it was like when we left, and we can't ever imagine what it's going to be like when we get there. And this is a place for me where we start to feel hopeless. And maybe that's you this Advent, this season. Where you come to worship and you come to church and Maybe you came here because it was the only place you could imagine going, or maybe going, or maybe you came here because it's just what you do, or maybe you came here because somebody said, you know, this is what you need, but, but you find yourself here, and you hear about the waiting, and the wonders, and the importance, and, and, and the gift of waiting, and you say to yourself, but, yeah, right, because that's not what it's like for me at all. Because when I'm caught in the middle of knowing what it is that waits for me, knowing what it is on the other side and not being able to get there, sometimes, all the time, it makes it so much more difficult to wait.
the beauty of the season. Because I want you to hear this. God doesn't want you to wait without hope. And in fact, the gift and the reality of what is offered to you and to me is far different than standing in a place in between with nothing to hold on to. It's so much better. And two years ago, my, my son and I got ready because the, the new Star Wars, Episode 7, was coming out. And I know that some of you don't get into Star Wars, and so you're like, oh no, he's going to tell another Star Wars story. Well, deal with it. I'm the one who's preaching, and you're the one who's listening. So I get to tell as many Star Wars stories as I want. But two years ago, I was super excited because my son, Trey, was old enough that he was going to be able to go and watch the movie with me. It was PG-13 and he was five, but those are details because it was Star Wars. And so I had prepared him and we had watched the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six. And we were all ready for it. And we got ready to go to the movie. We went to the movie and we got the popcorn and we got the drink. And I let him have a pop and he's five and a half and he's having caffeine. But it's wonderful. And I told him, Trey, this is going to be the most amazing thing ever because this is just the first out of three movies that are coming out. And you're never going to forget this. And when I was your age, I got to watch the Return of the Jedi in the movie theater and I'm reliving my childhood and this is so wonderful. And the movie gets over and I looked at him and I'm like, wasn't that awesome? And he said, yeah. And I said, what did you think? And he says, when's the next one? And I said, it's coming soon. And he said, how soon? And I said, two years. And he said, no way. Man, it's amazing to me how the surface level stories of our life speak so poignantly to the centers of our soul. Man. It just can be so hard. The difficulty in the waiting is there's a place in the middle where my current reality becomes the only thing that I can see. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's been you this day, this week, this month, this year. Maybe it's somebody who's around you who desperately needs some sort of hope. Some sort of promise, some sort of an assurance or a word that will assure them that maybe what their current reality is, is not going to last forever. That there's something and there's someone who is control that, that can encounter you while you wait. It's the end of the Old Testament. There's a, a series of books that are written by people who are called the prophets. Prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah, who we heard in our Bible reading just a short time ago. Or Jeremiah. 
And these prophets were people that God spoke to and God spoke through. They were people who God used to, to give a word of encouragement, to give a word of correction, but also to give a message of hope. Because God's people, who were called the Israelites, had found themselves in a place where their current reality was quite hopeless. That the hole they proverbially had dug themselves into was one that they couldn't get out of on their own. The prophet Isaiah says, you are like sheep who have gone astray. You've left God's paths to seek your own. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And God speaks through people like Jeremiah, who, you know the scripture passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, Plans for a future that are filled with hope. But those words are spoken to people who knew that they were going to be waiting for a lifetime. Who had to start thinking, is God ever going to show up? Or prophets like the prophet Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. Just sounds smarter when you say that word. In the very beginning of the book of Habakkuk says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? How long? When? If you're going to show up, if you're going to end this period of waiting in my life, then how long am I going to have to sit here and wait and call and beg and plea and put everything I have wondering if what I'm putting it into is worthy of my faith, my trust? How long? Until I can sing a new song. Go from the prophets, we go right into the New Testament. And from the prophets to the New Testament, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, 400 years have passed by. Four centuries since God had spoken his promise through the prophets to say that I will come and I'm going to give you a savior who's going to save you from your sins, who's going to deliver you into freedom, into this life that I have created you to live. But it's been 400 years. And you have to imagine even the most faithful of the Jews or the Israelites started to wonder if God was ever going to show up. So we get to the first chapter of the book of Matthew, story of Jesus' life. And we meet a man by the name of Joseph, who was a Jewish man, who was a person who was waiting for God to show up in a miraculous way for God to send the Savior, but Joseph's plans had been suspended because he had dreams that had been stolen from him. He was engaged to a woman, and this woman he was engaged to was pregnant, and it wasn't by him. 
But then the Lord shows up to Joseph and says to Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because this child that she's going to bear is the one in whom everybody's waiting rests in. She's going to have a son and you're to name him Jesus for he will save the people from their sins. Making good on the prophecy that had been spoken through Isaiah. Where God spoke through Isaiah and says that there is going to be a savior. The Bible reading from this evening. That a virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and he and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Even while we wait. Especially while we wait. You see, because sometimes we think when we find ourselves here that we are here and we're here and we're abandoned or without God, but... See, the message that we celebrate in Advent that we point to in, in Christmas is not a God who waits for us to catch up or waits for us to arrive, but a God who enters deeply into our stories wherever we find ourselves, in the good times and the bad, in the peaks and in the valleys, who shows up, who promises, who promises that there will not be a moment in our waiting that we will wait alone. You won't. Just this past week, I was at the house of a family who the week of Mother's Day had gotten horrible news. They've tried everything. I went to their house and I said, I bet you can't even remember what it was like before your diagnosis. And she said, no, I can't. It's only been a matter of months. I said, I bet you can't imagine what it would be like to be free from this. And she said, no, I can't. But she says, but I know that my God is here. See, the prophet Habakkuk, God speaks to it says, for I'm doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you about it. It's, it's the miracle of the message of Jesus Christ. Yes, we wait for, for God to come again. To put everything back together. But, but even in our waiting, we know that he is here with us. King David wrote a psalm about the beauty of not waiting for God, but waiting in God. It's Psalm 40. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I waited for God to show up and to to deliver me from the situation, from the reality that I had found myself in. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. 
He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. The band U2, incredible, one of the greatest groups of all time, have sung those words over hundreds of thousands of people who are waiting, who need a new song to sing. Hear these words. Hear the words of God's promise in your life. song to sing you don't wait without hope you don't wait without a promise of a God who always always shows up oh the waiting is incredibly hard I know the waiting is hard 
And the waiting can feel as if it's lasting for a lifetime. But no, no, be assured that you have a God who sent his son into the world to encounter you while you wait so that your song will be a song of joy even in the pain. Joy even in the waiting. It's in Romans chapter 5. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and he doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial deaths when we were far too weak and far too rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. It's not about you. You're not waiting because God is punishing. You're waiting because we're walking in this world that is incomplete. But the promise we have is a God who shows up. The virgin will conceive a child and he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. Right here. Right now. While we wait. See, Advent isn't just about what happened 2,000 years ago, and Advent isn't about waiting until Christ comes again. Advent is about waiting for a God who shows up and opening our hearts and our minds to receive the message of the promise that you have a God who is with you, a God who gives himself to you.